Okay. All right, guys. Well, thank you for worshiping with us. And uh, we are so excited that you're here, that you've joined us, family and friends all over the area. Um, and we are doing the last series, or the last message in our series, Infinitely More. We've been talking over these last five weeks now about Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, one of my very favorite verses in all Scripture. This is one of the ones that I've kind of built my life on. And Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. He says, All glory to God, who is able through his mighty power work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think infinitely more than we might ask or think. So we've been talking about what does this look like in our daily lives that Jesus does more in and through us than we could ask or think. The NIV version says ask or imagine. And some of us have huge imaginations. Some of us just kind of cruise, but some have huge imaginations. God's imagination is bigger and he wants to do more in you and through you. That says God has a plan for us. So we've been walking through this together. And today, this last message of this series, we're going to talk about the promises that Jesus makes about doing more in and through us. We're going to look at some of the I will statements of Jesus. Now, I know when I say promises, some of you are like, ah, I'm not into promises. Maybe people have hurt you in the past. Maybe people have made promises and broken those, and that's made you a little jaded, and you don't trust much anymore. And the thing is, when Jesus makes a promise, Jesus keeps promises. He's not like our earthly parents, our earthly friends, our earthly kids, our earthly parents who, or us, who make promises and then go back on them. When Jesus says, I will do something, guess what? He will do it. Now, it's not always when I think he should. It may not always be when you think he should, but he will do that. And so Jesus says that he will do infinitely more. Paul says Jesus can do infinitely more. There was a great story about a, a robber who decided to rob a safe in a store. It was one of those big safes that you walk into. And he uh, got to the door. He broke into the store at night, got to the door, and there's a sign stuck on the door that says, please don't blow the door. It's unlocked. Just walk in, you know, because those doors are expensive to fix. So he opens the door, and as soon as he steps inside, a huge sandbag falls on him, knocks him clean out on the ground. Lights start blaring, the alarm goes off, the cops show up and handcuff the guy and take him off. And he says, man, you just can't trust anybody anymore. And I know some of us feel that way about promises, but today we're going to talk about some promises where Jesus says, I will do something. And we're going to see how that applies to us and how we can work our lives around to allow Jesus to do infinitely more in and through us. So the first promises we're going to look at is a set of promises of purpose and security. And those words, it's a little odd to put those words together, but you'll see why we did that here in a second. Purpose and security. Now, this is a series that the whole assemblies, uh, they're asking everyone in the assemblies of God to do this series, to work on this. And so these are things that Jesus says that he will do, some I will statements. And these statements say that Jesus has promises of purpose and promises of security. Now, the first one we're going to look at is a promise of purpose. This comes from Matthew chapter 4 verse 19. This is where Jesus is calling Peter and Andrew to be his disciples. And he said he saw them fishing. That was their life occupation. It's not just a hobby like it is for a lot of us. This is what they did for a living. He saw them fishing and he says, if you follow me, I will show you how to fish for people. Another translation says, I will make you fishers of men. Now you're saying, okay, what does that have to do with me? This means that Jesus saw more in Peter and Andrew than they saw in themselves. They saw themselves as fishermen. Jesus said, come with me and I'm going to make you a disciple. 
I'm going to make you someone that we build the church on. I'm going to make you someone who fishes for people, who does more. He was calling them from their lives as fishermen, and they saw more. And we have to understand, Jesus sees more in you than you see in yourself. He sees more potential in you. He sees more gifting in you than you see in yourself. Jesus sees more value in you than you see in yourself. And if you're like me, I often say, Jesus, why did you pick me to be your disciple? Why did you call me to be yours? Why did you create me this way? And Jesus sees more in us than we do in ourselves. So when Peter and Andrew followed Jesus with all their hearts, when they said they left their boats, they left their nets, they left their dad, they became disciples of Jesus. And when they did that, their lives changed forever. And not only that, but their lives changed other people's lives forever. I mean, we're still talking about them in 2020, in the middle of a quarantine, right? So Jesus did more with them than they could ever imagine. So guys, today, right where you're at, right at your house, sitting on your couch, sitting at your kitchen table, watching on a screen, on a phone, Jesus sees more value in you than you see in yourself. Jesus sees more value in us than we place in ourselves. Sometimes that's why we put ourselves in positions, because we don't think we're worth anything. But Jesus says, I see more in you. Jesus saw more in Peter and Andrew than we see in ourselves. And he was using an analogy that they understood to show that he saw more in them. So that's a promise of purpose, and he has that for us. And then there's this promise of rest that Jesus gives. I know rest is a word that so many of us need right now. And it's weird. We've been at home for months, and we feel like we're more tired, maybe more stressed than we have been in a long time. And in Matthew 11, 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's a promise of love and of purpose and of security. Jesus says, I love you, and I will give you rest. So he says, I see more in you than you see in yourself, and then I will give you rest. (laughs) I will give you that rest for your heart and your soul and your mind that you need. He says, I will give you rest. He will give rest to our weary lives. And then last, he gives us this promise of security. Look at this in John chapter 6, verse 37. Jesus says, I will never reject you. I will never reject you. He will never turn on us like people have. And so many of us have had people that have rejected us, and it hurts. Maybe you've been divorced in the past, and you feel like that person rejected you, and you carry that hurt with you all the time. And Sometimes we're afraid to trust Jesus because we're afraid that he's going to reject us like other people said. He says here that I will never reject you. He says in another place, I will never leave you or forsake you. And so many of us have trust issues, don't we? Because people have hurt us. People have broken promises to us. People have deserted us. And we carry that around with us all the time, and it keeps us from moving forward. It keeps us from allowing God to do more in us and through us than he wants to. And so we have to understand that Jesus makes a promise that he will never leave us. Again, in John 14, 21, he says, I will love you and I'll reveal myself to you. He loves us and he's going to help us to learn more about him, to grow in him. This isn't just a one-sided deal. He says, I want you to grow in me. I want to show you new things that you've never known before. I want to take you further than you ever thought you could go in your life. I want to fix your family tree. I want to get rid of all this junk that's been in your life. And guys, I know many of us carry stuff, guys. We carry stuff from our past. We carry stuff from failures we've had in our lives. We see ourselves one way, and Jesus is saying he sees us a whole different way. And so here's the amazing thing about Jesus. When we give our lives to him, We don't have to carry that same stuff on to our kids and our grandkids. He can change our family tree. 
He, can, he will never leave us. He will reveal himself to us. He will be with us forever. We can change what we hand down to our kids. We don't have to carry that same stuff, that same abuse, that same uh, failure, all that different stuff that we've had. We don't have to pass that down to the next generation because Jesus says he will never leave us. He will never reject us. He will reveal himself to us. And so there's benefits. And then again in John 14, 14, listen to this. This is amazing. He says, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, this is an easy one to abuse. <laughs> People have abused this for generations. Well, you know, if I ask Jesus for a Ferrari, he's going to give it to me. Probably not. Probably for our own good, right? I know I would probably be in prison if I had a Ferrari because I'd speed everywhere. Uh, but he's not going to give us that, but he will give us what we need. And he will give us what accomplishes his purposes to do infinitely more in us and through us if we ask in his name. And so when we start aligning our will with his, when we start aligning our lives with what Jesus wants to do in us, he does all kinds of amazing stuff. He does infinitely more in us and through us. So it's not a religion. It's a relationship with him. A relationship with him that grows because he loves us and reveals himself to us. It's a relationship that's based on trust because he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. It's a relationship built on love because he says, I will give you rest. And it's a relationship built on trust because he says, I see more in you. I see more in your kids. I see more in your marriage than you see in yourself. Come, I'll make you fishers of men. That's what Jesus is saying to us. So there are these promises of purpose and of security. And then there's this promise of the church. Now, when I say church, I'm not talking about Calvary Assembly. I'm not talking about Parkview Baptist or Lex Christian or any of these other churches, these other congregations. When he talks about the church, he's talking about all the Christians around the world for all time. We're all part of one body, the body of Christ. And he makes this promise in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. He was talking to Peter, and he says, Now I say that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now, in this passage, Peter had just made an incredible statement about Jesus. He says, I believe that you're the Messiah, the one that we've been waiting for. And Jesus said, that is what I'm going to build my church on. So what is Jesus building his church on? It's on us. When, when Jesus talks about a church, he's talking about a movement. He's talking about a group of people, us, who follow Christ and want to share him with the world. That's the church that he's talking about. That's the church he can do infinitely more in and through. That's us. We are the church. The church isn't a building, and I'm glad because buildings fall apart. They take maintenance, right? They take paint and fixing. He's talking about a group. It's not a building. It's not a denomination. It's not an idea that men came up with. This thing is Jesus's idea. It's God's idea. It's a movement of people who are called by his name to deliver hope and peace in healing to this world. It's a group of people who are called by his name who are going out to deliver hope and peace. The, the church is not a club. It's not a social circle. It's not something to belong to. It's something that we are. And Jesus says, I'm going to build this church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And guys, we've been around the world. If <laughs> you've been on mission trips, we've been around the world. I remember sitting in a church in Russia with a group of Christians and it was freezing cold. We were wearing coats and hats and gloves because there was no heat in the building. And we were worshiping together in Russian. I don't know a word. Well, I know one word of Russian or two. Not much, even after a week there. But we were all worshiping together. We were part of a family. We were part of a, a family that was going out and sharing hope with that community. We've been in India worshiping with people together 
We had no idea what they were saying, but we were worshiping the same God, singing the same songs. We were singing in English. They were singing in Tamil. It was amazing. It's the same group of people. We've been in Madagascar. We've been in Haiti. We've been in all these different places in Mexico, worshiping together because we're part of a family. We're part of a, a movement that's sharing hope, and we are there doing the same things, guys, sharing hope with our communities around the world. That's what our missionaries are doing right now. That's what our brothers and sisters around the world are doing right now. They're sharing the hope. And that's what makes us the church. It's not a building. It's not a denomination. We've been overseas. We've worked with missionaries from different denominations. Guys, we're all doing the same thing. That's the church, and that's the power of the church. You know, when we're here in Lexington, when we <laughs> do our Thanksgiving dinner, for all these families that have nowhere else to go, we're working together for the same purpose. That's the church, capital C, church. And Jesus says, this thing is going to last. This thing is going to carry on to the end of time because he's behind it. He's in it. So the church is made up of people who are called out of the world. Now, when they use this Greek word, when Jesus says church, it's this Greek word, ekklesia. It's made up of two words, which means out and to call. Ek means out. Kaleo means, means to call. It's a group of people who are called out of the world. It means we're different. We're called out. It's the image of people being called out of their homes and into the marketplace. Guys, we've been called out of the world. And that doesn't mean we have to be weird. It doesn't mean we have to be odd. It means we're to be different because of what Jesus has done in us, because Jesus is doing infinitely more in and through us. We're called to be different. We're called to act different, to talk different. We're not supposed to blend in. Jesus says, I've called you out to go out and make disciples to share hope and joy and healing. If we're the same as the world, we've got nothing to offer them. But because we're called out, all of us together as the church are called out to be different, to share hope, to push back darkness in this world. And Jesus said, the gates of hell are not going to prevail. They will not overcome. He says, the powers of hell will not conquer it. This thing's here to stay, guys. And I know sometimes we feel like we're, <laughs> we're a little pushed. <clears throat> sometimes we feel like we're a little persecuted because we're Christians. The kids at school treat you differently because you don't listen to the same music they do. The people at work treat you different because you don't have the same jokes. You don't go to the same places that they do. It's because we're called out. We're different. But guys, when they need help, when they need help, guess where they go? To you because you have it. Because we're called out to be different. And Jesus, guys, gives us everything we need to build his church. It's a group of people who are willing to be called out and brought into new life and changed. And so Jesus is leading up with all these I will statements. He was leading up to this. He says, I've given you everything you need. He says, I see more in you than you see in yourself. I give you rest and hope and peace. And he says, the gates of hell, the powers of hell will not overcome this thing because it's mine. It's the church. So guys, Jesus has given us everything we need to build his church here in Lexington, to build his church in Missouri, in California, in Washington, in Kansas, all these different places around the country. He's called us to build his church, not to build the assemblies of God, not to build the Baptists or the Catholics or any of those. He's called us to build his church. He's called us to share hope, and that's what our world so desperately needs right now. That's why people have been watching church online in record numbers, because they're looking for hope. That's why people are turning to Jesus all over the world, because they want hope. They need hope. I know, guys, when I was in that position, I needed hope so bad. I was looking for it everywhere, and I found it in Christ. I found what I needed in Him. As we live our lives, as we trust in Him, we have everything we need to be successful in building His church.
And then even better, he says, I see more in you than you see in yourself. I'm going to give you rest. I love you. I'll never leave you. I will reveal myself to you and grow in you and let you grow in me. And I'm going to build my church. And then he drops this enormous bombshell on the disciples when he makes the promise of the Spirit. Look at this. He drops a bombshell statement on his disciples in John 16, verses 5 through 7. Now, let's pause and look at a little context here. The disciples were enjoying life. They were walking with Jesus. He was the most popular guy on the block. He was the most popular guy in Nazareth. He was the most popular guy everywhere he went because he was performing miracles. And like we talked about last week, he fed 5,000 people with a couple loaves of bread and a couple of fish. It was good to be Jesus' friend at that time. And so his disciples were getting a little popularity. People were like, hey, 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 can you show me Jesus? Can you take me to Jesus? Hey, hey, you're one of his disciples, right? That's cool. They're like, yeah, it is. <clears throat> this is good, right? They're enjoying life. They realize that Jesus is becoming more popular. They know he's the one who is to come. And they had this idea that Jesus was going to build a physical kingdom on earth. They thought he was going to bring Israel back to its prime days like it was when Solomon was the king, when David was the king. They thought, man, this is good. We're in the inner circle, man. We're going to have it made. And then Jesus says this in John chapter 16, verses 5 through 7. And I think he probably laughed a little bit before he did this. But he says, now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Jesus is saying, i got to go away. He was really saying, I have to be crucified. I have to go to the grave for three days, and then I'm going to rise, and I'm going to go back to my Father, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. The disciples didn't really know what was going on. But he says, he promised another helper. He promised another. And that word another means another of the same kind. So he said, I'm going to send someone who's just like me. But he doesn't have the limitations of a physical body like I do. He can be everywhere. And so this other, this helper that he was sending was the Holy Spirit. He said, if I go away, I can send him to you, and that's going to be good for you. And so this word, the Greek word that Jesus used when he said helper is this word called paraclete. And that word's been translated in a lot of different words in the English language because we really don't have a word that means exactly that. But when he's talking about who the Holy Spirit is, he's talking about a couple of these things that say counselor. The Holy Spirit's one who teaches us things. He's our counselor. Not a counselor like I lay on the couch and talk to you, but a counselor who teaches me what I need to know. A strengthener. The Holy Spirit gives us the strength to do the work that Jesus called us to do. To do what? To build his kingdom. To grow his church. To live this Christian life in front of our friends and our neighbors and our, our friends at school. He's called the comforter. The one who gives us peace in the midst of chaos. The one who gives us rest like Jesus promised. When we have everything in the world falling apart, the Holy Spirit is one who comforts us and gives us that peace. He's a helper who comes in our time of need, an advisor who tells us what we need to do, an advocate who goes to the Father on our behalf and intercedes for us. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. He's an advocate. He's an ally, a friend, an intercessor, one who prays for us. The Holy Spirit does all this. He was just like Jesus. He's part of the Godhead, just like Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm going to send him to you. That's who we have with us today. 
Guys, that's who's available to us, the Holy Spirit. When we become Christians, when we give our lives to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, and He does all these things, and He wants to do so much more in us if we are willing. Like the little boy with the bread and the fish, we have to be willing to allow Him to come into our lives. And then Jesus promises to return in John 14, right before He says this about the Holy Spirit. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my Father's home. If this weren't so, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything's ready, I'll come and get you so that you can always be with me where I am. So guys, we have hope because Jesus sees more in us than we see in ourselves. We have hope because he loves us and he says, I'll reveal myself to you. I'll be with you forever. I'll never reject you. We have hope because Jesus said, this church is my idea. I've asked you to build it and it's mine and I'm going to give you the strength to do that because I'm sending the Holy Spirit to be with you. So we have this hope, but then even more than that, we have this hope that this world is not all that there is. Jesus says, I'm going to come back. I'm going to take you to be with me. In the Assemblies of God, we call this the blessed hope, the hope that Jesus is coming back someday to take us to be with him. And so we have this hope. And Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me. This is our hope in times like this, this hope that the world isn't all that there is. So Jesus says, I will come back for you. I will come back for you. So guys, we have hope in this life. So these promises of Jesus, he will show us how to be his disciples. He will give us rest. He will never reject us. He will love us and reveal himself to us. He will do anything that we ask in his name according to his will. He will use us to build his church. He gives us the Holy Spirit and he will come back. This, guys, is the hope that we have. These are the promises that Jesus gave. So I know this is a little bit different. It's a little disjointed because we're looking at different promises today. But you're saying, what do I do with this? Right? So what do I do with all this? This is easy preacher talk, but how does this play out in my everyday life? Well, here's the thing. If we want Jesus to do more in us and through us, we have to be willing. We have to be willing. And we have to make his will our will. And this is the thing that we call surrender. This is where I say, Jesus, I want you to do more in me and through me than I could ever imagine, than I could ever ask. I really want my life to mean something. I really want my family to mean something. I really want my future to mean something. Maybe I'm retired, but I still want to do something for you, Lord. Maybe I'm, I'm still in school right now, but I want to do something for you. I want to be used. I want to have significance. And guys, we make fun of this generation, the millennials sometimes, you know, we like, and the, the next one's coming up. Sometimes we like to tease them a little bit. Uh, you know, people call them snowflakes and all this. But one thing that this generation has that I wish my generation had is they want to be significant. They want their lives to mean something. And that's something that all of us can have. And if we want our lives to mean something, we have to be willing to allow Jesus to work in us and through us to do infinitely more like he wants to. But how do I do that? I make his will my will. That means I surrender my plans to him. Like that boy last week of the bread and the fish, I say, Lord, take whatever I have and use it. And when we do that, we see rest. We see love. We see satisfaction with our lives because God is working in us. And we start aligning our will with his will, and life starts getting better because we're following what he wants. We're making his wants our wants. So, guys, I'm going to pray. But there's this incredible prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And some churches will say that all the time. Some churches repeat it every week. But I'm going to pray this prayer at the end of my message here in just a second. 
And I'm going to invite you to pray it with me. Now, this is in the New Living Translation, but it says this, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Get to the right chapter here. Jesus says, this is how you should pray. He doesn't say pray this prayer. He says, this is how you should pray. But he says, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need, and forgive us our sins, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. In other words, what is Jesus saying? As part of this prayer, he says, you need to say, Lord, let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Let your will be done in my life. So at the end of the message here, we're going to pray this prayer together. Right here today, you may be saying, you know, I don't have this relationship with God that you're talking about. My relationship (laughs) with God is more like a religion than a relationship, and I want to change that. Or maybe say, I've got this gnawing suspicion that I've done things I shouldn't have. And I really want a relationship with God. And if, if that's you today, all you have to do is, is just say a simple prayer. We're going to pray it here. And all you do is just say, Lord, I want you to come into my life. I want you to forgive me of all the wrong things that I've done. And I want to make my life mean something. So if that's you today, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Just say, dear Jesus, thank you so much for loving me. Thank you that your word says that you will never leave me or reject me. And so, Lord, today, I admit that I've messed up. I've made mistakes. I've sinned, and I ask you to forgive me. Lord, I want you to come into my life and make me new. I want to live for you every single day. Help me to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. And see, the Bible says this incredible thing. They say if you pray that prayer, that Jesus comes into your life and he makes you a new creation. Paul talks about that book of 2 Corinthians. He says, you're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So if you're here today and you say, you know, I really need that rest and that peace that Jesus talked about. I really need that. Or if you say, you know, I really want to commit to making my life have a difference. I want to commit to building a church. We're going to pray. So Lord, right now I pray for all those who are watching today, maybe at home, maybe they're listening at work, maybe they're driving down the road, but Lord, they're, today they're in a situation where they need rest. I pray that you would give them that rest that you promised. As they give their their cares to you, I pray that you would give them rest today. Lord, I pray for those who need peace or strength in their lives today. Lord, I pray for those who who want to really make a difference. They want to build your church. I pray that you would be with them today and strengthen them. Give them that strength that they need. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me. I hope you've looked it up by now. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. I'm going to pray this. I'm going to invite you to pray it at home with me. So Jesus says, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need and forgive us our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Amen. Well, guys, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for being here with us. This is our last online-only service. Next week we'll still be streaming, but you'll see people in the building, we hope. We hope people show up, but you'll see people in the building here with us, and the worship will be live as it happens, and so there may be a few tech glicks, glitches. I hope not. Please bear with us as we move into the new phase of new normal, um, but guys, we are still in need of financial support. We still need you here helping us, partnering with us, being faithful in your gifts and your giving. It's not to the church. You're giving it to the Lord, and so uh, you can go on our website and give, lexag.org slash donate. 
You can drop offerings off. You can um, mail them to the church. Next week, you can start giving in person again. But our missionaries depend on that support. I was talking to a missionary friend of ours today, and he said, you know, I've had five services canceled in the last five weeks. And as a missionary, that's how they raise their support to go back out on the field. So that was a, a huge hurt. And guys, thanks to your faithful giving, we've been able to keep up our support to all of our missionaries. We haven't missed a single one, uh, and that's how they live. So guys, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your support. Uh, next Sunday, we'll be meeting in person and also online at 1030 like normal. Guys, thanks for being with us. We love you. We appreciate you. We'll see you soon.